Hi guys, I'm Rachel Hollis. And I'm Dave Hollis. And we're married. For like 14 years. And together for 16. We have kids. Four kids. Which is like a thousand kids. We've also been foster parents to four kids as well. We're running a business together. We do a lot of things. That is a lot of things. <laughs> but we feel like it's possible, we know it's possible, to have an exceptional relationship regardless of the stresses you have in your life. That's why we decided to do a podcast together. It's called Rise Together. So if you want some tips and tricks on how we kind of get through all the things. This is it. Come on down. Here we go. <laughs> Hey guys, tickets go on sale next week for our second Rise Conference of 2019. And to give you a little sneak peek at some of the fire and the incredible speakers you're going to hear, we thought that we would share Dave's keynote from last year's Rise Conference. So this is a throwback to one of our most popular episodes of this Rise Together podcast. It's I mean, but is it though? Are you trying to give yourself credit for being one of the most popular episodes? So this is one of the most popular episodes of the Rise <laughs> Together podcast. It was my keynote. My keynote was titled, You Have to Fail to Grow. I found myself in a position where failure wasn't really a thing that was available. And in the absence of being able to fail, I wasn't growing. And how that story acted as a catalyst for all the fun that we are experiencing now in Austin, Texas. So... If you'd like to hear a little bit more and get a little peek inside of what a Rise event looks or sounds like. Literally do nothing. Just keep listening because you're going to hear it right now. Enjoy. Hello. I see you. I see you. Uh, I got to say, you know, I speak on stages quite a bit and uh, I've spoken to crowds larger than this. It's uh, the first time I've ever spoken to an all-female audience. This is maybe the most nervous I've been about. I hope, uh, I hope uh, whatever your expectations are that I'm able to meet them, but I'm, uh, I'm really, really grateful to be here. I, um, I'm, I'm going to start with gratitude. I think gratitude uh, as a part of to thrive as a part of our life, as a part of Ray's message, as a part of the meditation, as a part of all these things. It's been so important in helping ground us in what we focus on. We really are what we focus on. And I am grateful for all of you. Uh, the affirming nature of your spirit and the way that these seats are filled and the response out in the foyer and the way the book is sold uh, making big decisions about changing our life, like in every single way changing our life, is affirmed by the way that you all have shown up. So thank you first and foremost for that and for the support that we are definitely, definitely going to need as time goes by. Uh, I have the most extraordinary wife. I can see her. Hey, boo. Uh, <laughs> I have the most extraordinary wife, uh, which almost every single day is absolutely, absolutely amazing. Uh, but every once in a while has been hard. Uh, and it's been hard in part because of times when I was not the best version of myself, while she was the best version of herself, and I was struggling to reconcile why the heck she was so excited about waking up every single day and felt worse and worse because of the contrast that existed between us. Uh, I'm proud of going to the gym. I go to that dang gym. Sometimes I put it on Instagram, which feels weird, but you know what? I'll do it because I am proud of going to the gym. I'm proud of the times that we make healthy eating choices. I like the fact that we run. 
But when it came to personal development, showing up to a conference like this, I was kind of ashamed of the idea of even going. Like, Rachel had this opportunity to bring her team to this thing called Tony Robbins, and I, make your move, that's right. I had a Clark Kent, th anyway. Um, and when I heard about it originally, I was going through this strange period of time where in a world where a lot of things had come pretty easily to me and for me, I wasn't feeling very satisfied in life. And instead of taking ownership of it and trying to do something about it and trying to reach for development in the way that she was reaching for it, I pushed away from all of those things and retreated into a version of myself that I wasn't totally proud of, to be completely honest. Uh, I really do believe you're either growing or you're dying. And I didn't believe that before. I thought if you can get a bunch of stuff, if you get the right title, if you can have the job or the appearance on Instagram, if you can provide for your family and keep your spouse happy enough, even if you tread water, you can be fulfilled. And I tread water for a while during a really strange time in a man's life. I'm 43. Three years ago, as I was crossing this bridge from 30s to 40s, every single existential question that a man wrestles with starts showing up at the same time that my amazing job is all of a sudden providing a little less a challenge on an everyday basis. And I started asking these really, really big questions about why I was here, the big whys, the existential, what in the world am I on this earth for? Why has God given me the gifts that he's giving me, and am I using them in the very best way? And in the midst of feeling unfulfilled, I reached for drinks, I reached for headphones, I reached for long runs, I played video games, and I retreated away from being a better version of myself. And I'm waking up next to this woman who's on fire every day for everything, and she's excited. And she, in the midst of this excitement, decides to double down on growth and take her team to Tony Robbins. He's a monster. At this point in life, he's a monster. He's this crazy giant with banana hands and is... <laughs> and is, look at him. He's stealing the soul from this man. Uh, but I, I was in this season where I wasn't feeling or, or, or doing my best in this partnership. And I want to tell this story because some of you are going to go home to a husband some of you are going to go home to a boss who happens to be a man. You have a brother or a father. And like Elise was saying, they're going to ask you, what the heck were you up to these last couple of days? And they'll ask it in this way that I was asking in disbelief of Rachel, why in the world are you going to go to Snake Oil McGee <laughs> and lean into this thing the only people who reach for self-help are broken. Now, this is the narrative 
that was running in my head. Now, I think this narrative is actually a little more a male patriarchy, a little bit more of masculinity 101 infused, my dad teaching me, the society of men around me teaching me that real men don't, dot, dot, dot. Real men don't read self-help books. Real men don't, dot, dot, dot. So she goes on this trip. She brings her whole staff and comes back on fire. And I'm really angry at Tony Robbins now. <laughs> um, and I'm not really angry at Tony Robbins for making my wife this more awesome version of herself. I'm actually angry at myself for not being a more awesome version of myself. And I reject the medicine here. And Rachel is in real time having to work against some of the muscle memory our relationship has created over time because we're both recovering, still working on recovering codependence, right? I like to make her happy. She likes to make me happy. We don't fight and have historically tried to stay away from some of the hardest conversations unless it was really serious. And so for some time, she got up at 5 a.m., and I complained about her getting up at 5 a.m. And she thought about not getting up at 5 a.m. because, man, I don't want to upset Dave, because, man, if Dave gets upset at 5, then he's upset at 6, and then at 10 and 12, I was already upset. But she kept the energy that she got at this conference, and she tried to explain it to me. It wouldn't totally sink in. And what she decided, and what I will encourage you to choose, is she decided to not have to wait for me to give her permission to be on the high of personal development. Yes. Um, she said this a lot in live streams, and it's real. And it's real in our relationship and real in our life. If you want to change somebody, change yourself, right? She took the steps to go out and actively decide that personal growth was important for her. And I hadn't yet got on board. It took me a little bit of time to get there, and my reasons for going there at first weren't even the best reasons. But it took a little time, and it only happened because she was unrelenting and unapologetic about her pursuit of that growth and her maintenance of what fruit came out of the experience when she returned to somebody who wasn't as excited about where she'd been or what she got. Now, I was trained, as all of us were trained, were socialized by parents and the surroundings that we had to do certain things, believe certain things, be certain things. I grew up the oldest of four kids. I think birth order plays a big role in who we are and how we are. I was an achiever in part because of that. An achievement for me and doing things and reaching for things and trying to develop and trying to do things for a lot of time, and I didn't realize this until recently, was my attempt to get a reaction of love. I was trying to do and be and create and, and all of those things 
I'm going to get the honor roll, I'm going to plan the soccer team, I'm going to run the Spanish club, I'm going to do all of these things. Because if I can check enough boxes, you, my friends, my parents, my brothers and sisters, my will love me. And the first thing I would say in the three big takeaways from any of this conversation is the only way that anything you get in personal development will ever last is if you are consciously deciding to do it for you and not for anybody else. Now, I ended up going to a conference, and I did it, I'm going to tell you, because I was doing it for Rachel. Right? So you can still get a result. Right? That motivation can still get you to take a step. But the fact that I'm still investing and still striving and still reaching for personal development after having been exposed to it is because of a choice I had to make. And I'll get back to that in a second. Now, what's interesting is I got out of being a kid. I went to Pepperdine. Hey, Waves. I then moved into my professional pursuit. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I decided that I wanted to work in Hollywood. And I can only say it because I'm now stepping away from and excited about stepping away from Hollywood that uh, a lot of the things that motivated me about the career that I started in 20 years ago was how society valued the thing I was pursuing. How other people, when I came home from, you know, being out of town to a family event would ask me questions as an insider in this business. The motivations of how I pursued the diversity of the roles that I had and the companies that I worked for were fueled a lot of times by what other people might think because of them. I've been in the role that I have now for about seven years. I've worked at the company for about 17. About four years ago, I thought if I could just become the president of distribution, everything in my life was going to be great. It was the only thing that was missing. What a crazy idea. Um, but at the time, as I'm kind of grasping for this sense of fulfillment, of this like want for respect and this hope that people are going to uh, see me and like me and love me, this title became this thing that I was really, really fixated on. And I worked hard to put my head down, and I was in a job that to the outside was just the very best job, one of the very best jobs in the business. We've got Marvel and Lucas and Pixar and Disney, and it's the best time to be in the business. We've set every single record after seven years. I'm going to leave this job in 39 business days, not that I'm counting. Uh, and, and my team will have put nine of the top ten opening weekends of all time into movie theaters in seven years. Wow, that sounds great. Nope, I don't want any applause for this. So, what's interesting is, despite all of the success and the optics of what should be the most meaningful and rewarding and everything else kind of job, I do finally end up getting this title. And because the job isn't challenging me in the way that I was hoping to be challenged, it doesn't feel like a full 
use of the kind of potential that God's given me, there was an emptiness in it. And it happens to coincide, of course, with Rachel going to see Tony Robbins. <laughs> there's a, there's a, a pool in our backyard, and every few nights, especially during the summer, we have the boy, Rachel, number one, does not go in the water. I mean, there's a couple of pictures on the internet. It, uh, anyway, it's the boys. And we go into the spa, and each night, the spa time has been turned into an ask any question, nothing is off limits kind of night with the boys. And the boys now, they're 11, 9, and 5, but through the years, ask anything. It's usually pretty gross, because they're like three boys, and they want to ask, the worst questions ever. But in the middle of this season, where I have on the outside the appearance of the greatest of the great and the most wonderful of wonderful, I sit in the spa and my middle son asks, what are you most afraid of? You know, like he's fishing for tarantulas, right? Like, <laughs> scorpions? No. Uh, and I don't even think about it, and immediately out of my mouth pops, my greatest fear is not living up to the potential that God has given me. That the tools that have been put into my soul, my brain, my heart, aren't going to fully be utilized, and that I will sit around a table one day and people will toast the fact that I clung to things that were more certain, that were more acceptable in the eyes of society, but that didn't ever actually produce a true sense of fulfillment. And it was a wake-up call. It made me feel sad, uh, but it immediately made me feel like, I think I might need to take a little bit of action. Uh, right after this conversation, we went on the best, worst vacation of all times. <laughs> And it's so ridiculous to complain about a vacation to Hawaii, but we have a thousand kids, and we got a place for 12 days that was super secluded, and it just turned into a massive amount of work. That's like the coolest picture of the entire time, and was the only time of 12 days that everybody was smiling. Um, I... Uh, Against the backdrop of this conversation in my head, had this long vacation with this family. Rachel got sick at the very beginning of us being there, miserably sick, and I was handed the first draft of Girl, Wash Your Face. Uh, yeah, so... In, uh, in short order, Rachel is in a bedroom being every kind of sick. Like, we almost needed, like, the ET set to show up and <laughs> blot. Anyway, and I'm struggling to survive while I read something that freaks me out. Uh, because in part, I'm a little worried about how vulnerable my wife has chosen to be and in part because of vanity 
There are some things that are written inside of the book that I'm not necessarily high-fived, super excited about and proud of. So I drank all the vodka. <laughs> like, to the last drop. And, uh, you know, like a full gallon of vodka usually takes a bad situation and makes it worse. Um, we got home from that trip, and my wife and I had the most important, hardest conversation of our marriage. And I think you have to ask yourselves a question about what kind of partner you want to be in your marriage, your not marriage, your life, uh, with your willingness to wade into hard stuff. We got home, and we had to have a conversation about choices. My choice to decide to grow, or my choice to stay in a retreating toward death mode. Because it's either you're growing or you're dying. There is no in-between and I was dying. And what dies with me as I'm dying is our marriage is having not oxygen poured into it for life, but is also being starved of the nutrients that it needs. And in a really generous, and now, I mean, I'm so grateful for it, but hard, I cried a lot kind of way. Rachel asked me, if she were to continue to pursue growth every single day, which she was going to do whether I had given her permission or not. And I decided to continue to put on headphones, drink too much, take long runs, play too many video games, or whatever it might be, and not grow. If I thought that two months from now we would be as close as we were today, or eight months from now, or two years from now. And the reality is, I knew, of course, the truth, and it was paralyzing to me. Either I had to make a choice to grow, or I was going to grow apart from my wife. And you, who are in relationships, have to have a hard conversation, potentially. Because you're all growers now, you're all anointed leaders now, you're all going to go out and change this world, and there is someone who is suspicious of this Tony Robbins-like Rachel Hollis, <laughs> waiting at home with their side glance, their side eyes, their disbelief, and they may not be ready to keep pace with you. And you get to choose. Mediocre people pull great people back to mediocre. Some of you are in mediocre relationships because you have allowed mediocre people to keep you at mediocre. And you are here because you do not want mediocre lives. Okay? So, I reluctantly agree because of my wants to keep my marriage alive, to go to Tony Robbins. <laughs> and here's the thing, 
Like, there's a couple people I met outside today who saw something about this yesterday and bought a ticket and got in the car and drove over here, and they had no idea what they were getting into, but they're here, and they wanted it because there was something in them that said, I am made for more, I do deserve to grow, and I want to fuel me. I didn't come from that posture the first time, but I am grateful for a partner who believed enough in my potential to grow, to put a mirror on up, wade into a hard conversation, and offer to take me into personal development. And it was inside of that room, dripping with cheese. There are, yes, things that I still am adverse to inside of that environment, but it was life-changing being in a room where I decided I'm going all in because I know I need to, and the fruit that's come from it has led to the second point that I will make, committing to a lifetime of development. You are going to get something great out of these two days, but if you think that you can come here for two days and then you're good, the tank is full and it does not deplete, you are wrong. We have, in our marriage, committed every six months at a minimum to going to something. That requires childcare. We're not bringing our kids to anything where it's about developing. We're leaving those people behind. We have committed to making sure that every time before we walk into a development opportunity, we have already booked the thing we are going to do six months or less later. Because the way to stay in peak mental and physical shape when it comes to development is knowing that you have to keep your energy and your state and your mindset and your focus on gratitude up between now and when you will develop next. And the last one that is important and has been liberating for me is that you cannot worry about what anyone else thinks of your development. Yeah, well, Rachel says it best, and I steal it all the time. Other people's opinions are none of your business. Dr. Seuss has a saying that's something to the effect of people who care don't matter and people who matter don't care. If someone doesn't understand that you want to become a better version of yourself, just think of what I just... If someone cares or has a problem with you becoming a better version of yourself, they are not a person that you should have sitting in the front row of your life. And there are plenty of us who have those people not just in the front row, but weighing in on the most important things in our life. I keep stealing from Ray, but she's a good source. <laughs> you go to Thanksgiving, you've been watching what you eat, and here you walk up to the table and you've decided to just have the salad even though you love the gravy, you're not going to pour it on the potatoes and put it next to the, you're just going to have the salad. And there's that one aunt who's always been angry and overweight. 
and she's going to give you shit about your salad. And some of us reach for the potatoes because we don't want to upset that aunt. Forget what she says. You have to be the person who chooses this, who commits to it for a lifetime, and that doesn't care about what other people have to say about your development. We started talking about working together four years ago, five years ago, 16 years ago when we went on our first date. I don't know when it was, but it's been a long time. And for a long time, I was too preoccupied with what people would say about me making a choice that didn't make sense to them. So I stewed in underfulfilled me, became the mediocre version of the person I want to be because of my worry of how someone might react to me saying the construct that you live inside of does not apply any longer to me. Crazy now, but totally made sense for such a long time when I was living under the rules that apply to them and their opinion instead of the rules that apply to me, my happiness, my fulfillment. There is a single tie that is more important than almost anything else, and that is the tie between growth and fulfillment. You can find ways to short-term create happiness, but if you are not growing, you will not be fulfilled. How do you grow? Well, I'm standing at a women's conference. <laughs> um, how do you grow? You push yourself outside of your comfort zone and do things that you can fail at so that you will fail and learn from the mistake to add that learning to your toolbox. I've been doing a job where I could not fail, and not because of me, but because of the strength of the team and the strength of the slate. The movies were too good and the teams are too great. If I cannot fail, I wish I could rhyme it, oh gosh, uh, but if, <laughs> the, the teams are too good and the content was just honestly too great that I couldn't fail, and in the absence of failure, fulfillment was gone. So if you find yourself in a place where you aren't feeling fulfilled, the first thing I'm gonna ask you is, how do you feel about how well you are growing? And if you don't know whether or not you're growing, the next thing I'll ask you is, when last did you push yourself outside of an area that you are comfortable with so that you could intentionally make a mistake that you could learn from. 2016 was a really crazy year in the Hollis House. 2016 was the first time in my adult life that I rejected the commodity that I have clung to since I was born, certainty, in exchange for uncertainty, okay? I have been a 
person who, for my whole life, wanted to manage expectations and never be surprised and always know that there was enough money, enough employment, enough land, enough food, enough whatever, certainty. And then we decided to be foster parents. Or I should say, God decided that we would become foster parents because it wasn't even really a part of a plan until it showed up. And then we decided intentionally to live in uncertainty. We made a choice over and over. The girls were there, and then they left. The girls, two new girls, were there, and they were taken. We decided to get back into it over and over and endure the pain, and through that experience, I do not want 2016 as a year I have to relive, but I am grateful for it having happened for us. It happened for us so that we could see the fruits of intentionally choosing uncertainty. It was full of failure and pain and vodka and a lot of things. But I, a person who'd clung to certainty my entire life, would never have made the choice to let the greatest media company on earth with the greatest product on earth and the greatest teams on earth know that I am now going to pursue uncertainty in these dreams of ours. Let me be clear. We are certainly going to succeed, but I am also certainly going to fail at some of these things because I don't know how to do a lot of the things I'm about to go do. But <laughs> uncertainty versus certainty, staying in my job was the most certain thing on earth earth. I could have made a lot of money. I could have had a tenure that lasted for the next 20 years. And when I turn 60 in 17 years, my kids will raise glasses at a table and we will go around and ask them to say what they are most proud of. And the thing that they will say better not be, he always played it safe, he was miserable, bit of a drunk and totally, you know, a person we couldn't hang out with, but we got that college money. Uh, um, I want my kids to raise a glass and say he listened to where God led him, and despite what conventional thinking said, he trusted and went into uncertain spaces because the fruit of that uncertain tree is unbelievably better tasting. I challenge all of you, thank you. I challenge all of you just to really sit and think about where fulfillment is in your tank. Are you feeling as fulfilled as you would like? Choosing personal development, making the choice, not because your husband or your friend or your mom or your mother-in-law, not because of any of those people, but do you personally have the desire to be a better version of yourself tomorrow than today? Are you committed to it being something that you are going to do not just for today, but forever? And will you do it? regardless of what mediocre people think. 
regardless of what convention says, regardless of what the world said, regardless of what Facebook or Instagram say. This is a room. I sat in the back. I cried the tears as people stood up. You all have been through things, and you're here, and you are here to do more. Now believe that you can. Step into uncertain spaces and be the person that you were made to be. Thank you. Hey, honey, I have a new book coming out. I've read it. It made me cry at the end. I was so proud of your work. Would you say that it's at least as good as Girl, Wash Your Face? I would not say that it's at least at least as good because I think it is better than Come Girl, on. Wash Your Face. I cried in part because I imagined Noah Hollis, our daughter, knowing one day that the woman who wrote that book and changed the way that she thinks about how a woman can or can't be in the world lives in our house and is her mother. Babe. It's real. So if you are curious what the book's all about, you can go on to basically anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart.com, and check out the description. But the intention here was this is for the dreamers. This is for the hustlers, for the goal setters, for anybody who wants to achieve something and is curious about the steps that you need to take and also how you can, as a woman, chase down a dream without shame. The good news, too, if you like the sweet, sweet voice of that Rachel Hollis, who was just speaking two seconds me, me, ago, me, me, me. she does the audio narration on Audible, and that's available for pre-order right this second. 